on, everybody, let's give God a hand clap. I'm excited today because I really believe that God is about to change the direction of our church. I got, I got a chance to, to talk, and I know you, you're standing, standing with me for a second. We're going to go into reading the word. But I got a chance to talk with our huddle, and I just talked about like, what God has been doing in our community since its inception. And, and so from the, the amazing gift that was Brian and Cindy Bennett, which ran their race and then handed it over to Corey, Pastor Corey in the interim, And as you guys prayed and as we were praying as a family that God would lead us into this new direction. Uh, And then we we came on in December. And what I loved is this body just embraced me and my family as we embraced you. And, and, And even more, we just continued to live in the vision and embraced this community. And and I really believe that God has given us to this community and this community to us and and that he wants to do something amazing. And so, with that being said, I I want us uh, to lean in. I want you to lean in with me and I want you to hear uh, my heart and and I'm praying that it is aligned with God's heart. Right? And for the direction in which we are, we're going. So even as we close our Generate Hope series, I think it is appropriate to title uh, this series, I mean this uh, sermon specifically, Generate Hope. And I think it's appropriate uh, to use the words of Jesus for us. So I'm going to read this scripture. When I'm done, we're going to respond in saying thanks be to God. Because as we read scripture, scripture is actually reading us. And we want his words to be what is shaping our lives in our direction. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, he, his boyhood home, he went as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read scriptures. The scrolls of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He, enro- he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here and now in our hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet 
is accepted in his hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious, jumping up. They mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these moments that we have together. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak, that I would decrease, that you would increase, and that us as a community, we would lean into the generating hope of your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. New Testament scholar Nijay Gupta, in his book, in his new book, 15 New Testament Words of Life, begins his chapter on hope by recalling the diary of Anne Frank. She, she was a young Jewish girl who went into hiding with her family from uh, the Nazi regime. He wrote that this young teenager lived in a world of dreams, imagination, and hope. Hope became a world unto itself where she could escape. It was her only salvation from the horrors of isolation, fear, and despair. We find ourselves as we enter into this text with the hearers of this passage, like Anne Frank, understanding what living under oppression felt like. What living under the the evil regime of, of the Roman Empire felt like in their own country they were considered strangers, foreigners, those who could be uh, spat on, those who could be uh, 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 caused to be subject to whatever the decrees of the, the Roman citizens felt fit. It didn't matter if you were a grown man to a Roman citizen, you were just a dog. They were dreaming, anticipating, living in the imagination of hope, hoping that one day the Messiah would come, one day the Messiah would come and restore all things, would bring about this peace and shalom that they so desperately were seeking and they were looking forward. Jesus' audience would have been aware of this hopeless situation, and they would have clung to that one day that God would liberate them from their pagan enemies. One day, God would set them things back to being right. Jesus comes back, uh, the scriptures tell us, and returns to Galilee. And he is filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders, Luke tells us, follow Jesus wherever he goes. And as he comes back home and he goes to the synagogue, a practice that he would have done three times a day, right, as any good Jewish uh, uh, law-abiding follower would have done, 
he picks out a, pack, a passage in the scripture. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. This is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. New Testament scholar Darrell Bach writes about this passage that God had promised a decisive demonstration of his salvation for his people for a long time. Now Jesus turns to declare that the day has come, the opportunity is present. After almost 2,000 years of promise stretching all the way back to Abraham, Jesus claims that the promise of the prophet like Isaiah are now being decisively realized. But as many great moments, questions arise. Is this really it? Can I truly believe in this time? Can I truly believe that God is going to do it this time? Can I really put my hope in Jesus. The first thing I want us to, to realize today, Overflow Church, that we see extracted out of the passage that hope calls us to invest in what is to come right now. Not later, but right now. I, I love the way uh, Gupta says it in his book. He says that hope is a forward-looking expression of day-to-day trust in God. We use our binoculars to gaze into the distant future, to glimpse the final glory, but by and large, hope expects the covenant God to guide each and every future step and to respond now in each and every plea. You see, the hope that we are to live in is the fact that Christ has finished it. It is our job to live, in the, live a victorious life in a world that is being transformed by the one who has all authority. That is Jesus. Paul says it like this. He says in, in, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, he says, When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of us our sins, having canceled the charge of the legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, you might not understand what's happening in in that passage, but but there's this really beautiful imagery. Because if we go back to the first century, there's something really uh, unique that Caesar did. Every time Caesar won a war and he came into uh, Rome, what he would do is that he would line up all of his soldiers. And and the streets would be filled and they would be be saying, Hail Caesar, and there'll be crowds and there'll be festivals as Caesar and his soldiers uh, uh, basically walk through the town. And in front of everyone is Caesar on his chariot. And in front of Caesar and his chariot is the king of the, 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 the city that they were fighting. And he was in chains, walking in shame. As Caesar uh, was was, uh, leading the processional of his greatness. 
This is the idea that Paul is trying to get us to understand in Colossians. That he has put to public spectacle on the cross the forces of darkness, the forces and the shadows of sin on the cross. This is the beauty and the victorious life that we can now live in. God has not only given us hope, but has tasked us to generate the hope that he declared on the cross when he said it was finished as his representatives. To live out God's dream in the midst midst of horrors, the horrors of fear and isolation. You remember, right? We started off our journey in January by simple series. What does it look like to live out a God dream? That, that God actually does dream. That God does have an imagination and we are the reality of that dream. And when we are living according to the mission of God, we are living out God's dream. What does it look like to live out God's dream in the midst of horrors and fear and isolation, to live in the Christian imagination of hope that isn't just a wish, but the reality of what could be? See, Jesus' proclamation of Isaiah for us as a church is a clarion call for us to respond. I want you to understand this it's not easy. I understand Overflow Church that, that this, this idea that Jesus is calling to us is not easy. That means that we have to sit with the leper when no one else can or is willing to. That we have to, to go out of our way to make sure that we meet with the woman at the well at what may seem like an inconvenient time to us. This means that we are to to pay attention when the woman with the 12-year-old issue of blood is reaching out as we are going to the young 12-year-old girl uh, who is dead to partake in Jesus' resurrecting power. This means that we are to sit with Zacchaeus at the table and be labeled like Jesus, a friend of sinners. See, Jesus calls us to hope right now. It doesn't mean that we don't care about sin or that we fold to whatever the culture deems to be okay in this season today. No, we are serious about holiness and we are serious about God's timeless word. At the same time, we recognize that God walked with his disciples for three and a half years and then left the spirit of God to guide us in all truth. So our task is to journey with people who may not be getting it now, but they are actively coming to the arms of Christ seeking healing. This is the task that God calls us to. It means, like Paul, we are not afraid to live in the dichotomy of being a countercultural, being countercultural while simultaneously becoming all things to all people in order that we may win some. So for us, now, we are to see the pain that is in the world and provide comfort. Uh, We are to see the lost and help them direct them to peace. 
We are to see the hungry and to feed them. We are to see the needy and to to give our investment in the hope to come. It's not just us waiting for the someday when it will all be better, but it is us living in that someday here and now. Manifesting heaven on earth and expressing the hope that has been given to us. What we need to understand is that hope calls us to recognize that Jesus is present in what may seem like a hopeless situation. Let's go back to to the text, verses 21 through 24. Uh, Listen to these words. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled when? This, This very day. Not later on, but right here, right now. See, everyone who, who spoke, spoke well of him was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't that Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me, quote me this Proverbs, physicians, heal yourself. Meaning, uh, Jesus, just, just do miracles. <laughs> We, all right, we, we, we like the, the nice things that you do. But hey, hey, uh, I got a headache. Can, can, you, uh, can you take care of that? You see, the, the problem with the people listening to Jesus is that they had been in a state of hopelessness for so long that they did not recognize the manifestation of hope right in front of them. Jesus was literally saying at that moment, I am the hope that you have seen waiting, that you have been waiting for. I am the one who will change everything and what may seem impossible now is now made possible because I am here. You see, (laughs) they thought they knew Jesus from the time growing up. Uh, they, they had heard the stories of miracles and what he had done. And what had happened is that they had relegated Jesus to just someone who they were familiar with. If we are not careful, we will miss out on the task that God has for us. If we are not careful, we will think that we know Je- the way that Jesus operates and limit, uh, limit him in our minds And how do you limit a limitless God? If we are not careful, we will grow familiar with Jesus as just someone who saved us. And we are, are, and we like the people in the synagogues ask God for crumbs. When he is telling us that he is manifesting his presence here and now. And you get to partake in the hope that is to come Not later on, but right now. See, we spoke about this in week one, didn't we? What was the equation? Presence plus hope equals what? New life. Where Jesus is, there is hope. And as a church, he is calling us to partner with him to generate that hope. See, right here, In our very own backyard, there are communities that have been divided by ethnicity, by economics, and education. Right here, 
in our very own backyard, I, I got the opportunity to, to meet with some pastors and uh, the head of the detention center, uh, the juvenile detention center was there, and he was telling us uh, when he came in, there was something like 687 kids in all of Barron County that were there, uh, that are in the detention center. He said that, praise be to God, that in his, uh, I think, over 10 to 15 years being here, that they've seen that reduced to something like 286 to 300 kids. Hold on. Hold on. Unfortunately, right here in our backyard, close to 90% of those kids, which represent all of Barron County, are right in our backyard in Benton Harbor. Right here in our own backyard, the public school system is literally holding on by a crutch, trying to figure out how do we even have enough teachers? How do we even, uh, how do we even uh, serve the kids that we have? I, 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 I don't know if you've been, been talking to, to some of the teachers here. It, just right here in, in the middle school, they literally have to uh, send multiple classes into the gymnasium, and kids are basically uh, in a, a middle school daycare because they do not have enough teachers to teach all the classes. And we are... Wondering, what's going on? Why are they in the juvenile detention center? Why is this happening? And the public school system say, man, we, we just want to be able to even just provide a place. And what should be a place of education and higher learning and upward mobility has just become a stopgap to more destruction, more brokenness. And if we are not careful, the situation can seem, this situation can seem so hopeless. And like the people in the synagogue, we don't, we won't recognize that the presence of Jesus is leading us to partner with him in the renewal of all things, to live in the world of dreams, of Christian imagination, and of hope. We'll be waiting for the hope to renew our communities. We will be waiting for hope to, 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 to lead our communities. And if we're not careful and we don't understand that Jesus is here, just like the people of the synagogue, we will run Jesus off. All we have to do is to look around. Overflow church. Because Jesus is here. Because hope is here. And you guys know the equation. Where presence plus hope equals what? Equals new life. Jesus is calling us, I believe, as a community to stand up on that decree. That God is shaping us as a community to become an overflowing presence of Christ's love, proclaiming a hope to the neighbor and the stranger. That's not just a fancy uh, a couple of words that we've put together. That is the mission that God has called us in the midst of darkness to bring about light. When we say our mission is to generate hope, 
That's just not a fancy mantra that we can stick up on walls and we can put on our website and people can say, that's cool. That is a demand that Jesus says as he stands up in the synagogue and he says to each and every one of them and he pulls us in right here in 2022 and demands of us who will take care of the neighbor and the stranger. Who will sit down with people which are far away from Jesus and say, I am willing to journey with you for three and a half years. Who will bleed and cry and ask God to do something in our very backyard that everyone would know. Not that a church was great, but that Jesus was great. That we were radical in our faith and proclaiming that Jesus is king. And that he is hope, he is the hope of the world. And that anybody can come to him. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away you are from him, that anyone can come and receive his hope. I believe this has been the testimony of our church. I believe this is where God is calling us to go to. And so what I want to do is just give a tangible ask. I'm going to ask you to uh, turn your eyes to the screen as we see what God has for us in this new season.